Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people could go to when they need inspiration, motivation, or just tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to bring you information on a variety of topics ranging from nutrition, holistic health, coaching, yoga, meditation, and just overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best yoga teachers, life coaches, health and wellness experts, along with some of my closest friends. We will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and careers and how they continue to work to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I'm your host, Rosie Acosta, and today I have the honor and privilege of talking to my dear friend, Katie Silcox. Katie is a nationally recognized yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic practitioner, and a New York Times bestselling author of Healthy, Happy, Sexy. Katie, welcome to the virtual studio. How are you? I'm good, Rosie. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm so excited to talk to you because not only uh, am I one of your biggest fans, <laughs> but I just, I love you dearly. And I think that everything that you're doing is, is so much of what I aspire to do in the future. And you're such an amazing teacher and an amazing yogi. And you're really, truly uh, a living uh example of what uh, yoga practice is and so I appreciate that and um, and I love you oh what an intro <laughs> thank you I I will say I I also feel love for you and I think we're just this tribe um, of people who are vibrating in such a way that we are remembering and, and so when one comes across a, a family member of that vibrational caliber, it's like, oh, my God, I've missed you. You know, like you're yeah. you're back. You were back together. And so it's we're just family is basically it. Yeah. So I saw you the last time I saw you in in uh, person was a year ago at your retreat in Hawaii, which was amazing. Um, and I can't believe time has gone by so, so fast. Uh, Katie did her, uh, it was a, like a book launch retreat. Um, I don't know what you would call it, but it was basically, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like a, a celebration for completing this, uh, New York times bestselling author, ooh, ooh, uh, <laughs> this New York times bestselling book, which, uh, the book I introduced that in the intro is healthy, happy, sexy, and it literally is the Bible for the modern woman who is wanting to learn about Ayurveda and wanting to basically take a pragmatic approach to, um, you know, the physical, mental, and spiritual health of these practices, and you did such an amazing job, uh, and obviously everyone agreed, so mm. thank you for that little gem. Um, thank you. So that was really, that was really fun. We, we had a great time, and... Um, you know, we, we were surrounded again by this tribe of really amazing people and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you about was um, I am part of your newsletter, which I love. And what you sent an email or a newsletter at the beginning of the year um, about <laughs> why New Year's resolutions are pretty much BS, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which I, I think is, is great because so many people, especially the people that I work with, um, you know, doing coaching and stuff like this is kind of like 
one of the main things that happens at the beginning of the year, like we get so wrapped up with creating these goals, right? Or these aspirations to, to uh, set forth for the new year. And what I find is, is like you, you know, you, you wrote about this, how, how to really get there without uh, creating so much tension around it, right? Because mm -hmm. we, we create all these goals and then like six weeks in or five weeks in, you know, something happens and then we get totally down on ourselves for not getting to where we want to be. So can you speak to us a little bit about why that is? Yeah. Um, so I, I, it was entitled Why New Year's Eve Resolutions Are Bullshit. And it was meant to be kind of a joke and funny because Rosie knows me and I am very motivated, goal-oriented type of person. And, and yet I think that there's a way that um, – when we lean into the ancient teachers and methodologies, we can really learn and understand the context and the greater macro vision in, in which these New Year's resolutions can be and maybe should be drafted. And so if we lose the um, bigger vision and, and we lose the point, then what happens is these goals just fuel us deeper into a feeling of, well, feeling bad about ourselves for maybe not accomplishing mm -hmm. them. And so, you know, on one hand, we all need to create resolutions. It's obvious, you know, like we're all here on the planet to serve and serve love in our own particular way. And, and we need resolve and we need willpower and we need the masculine energy. Um, but if we forget why, it's like worthless. And, and we will be like a hamster spinning on a wheel. And so what I try to do in practice every day and what I teach to my students is a methodology for aligning myself as best as I can with my version of spirit, my God, the God of my, my heart. And when I do that through my yoga and through my meditation and through my prayer and through my song and through my dance, and through my food practices, and through my love-making practices. You know, when I do that, I connect to the part of me that can inform the New Year's resolution, like inform the goal setting. And I am emboldened by the thing that knows how to create a Katie Philcox, not my small ego personality, that worries and hurries and frets and desires and you know that part of you like we all have one and so mm -hmm. I'm really interested in loving her like loving my little small contracted self as much as I can but at the same time it's like a kid like she doesn't get to run the show anymore so that's a long way of saying it's really about spiritual practice and then from that what is my spiritual practice informing me that I need to be doing and resolving? Yeah, I think that, that that's so, so well articulated, especially for us women, you know, like this is such a, it's such a big thing. We put so much pressure on ourselves and then, you know, that, that small self of ours that is, you know, uh, undernourished sometimes, you know, even that, that creates this like big, you know, uh, 
big vision of, of something that they want and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen and then we you know go into this downward spiral so I think it's really important as you say for us to be able to just sit and listen uh, to what to what it is that that really fulfills us at a deeper level as opposed to just you know all this the surface level stuff which which look it's all important right it's all part of the whole um, but I think that you know, really being able to, to listen to that is, is key. How do you think people can actually really begin to tune into that part of themselves? Just with, and I say this because, again, this is something that, that you've written about, um, not, not to segue out of this, this topic, but with comparison to what everyone else is doing, like social media and where I need to be, and this person's doing this and that person's doing that. Like, how are we supposed to find or align ourselves with, with our own path within the midst of, of all the distraction that, that's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the biggest issue of our time, and especially as yogis, because we are interested in our prana, and our prana gets our energy, our life force. And in order to fulfill our goals and longings, we need as much of that as possible. And so every time I'm on social media or every time I'm in the realm of grasping and comparing, I'm actually losing prana. I'm leaking prana. And so, you know, I think, but at the same time, there's another way of looking at it, and that is we're connected and we are sharing vibration and we're sharing insight. And, you know, it's really cool to watch the way these forms of um, wisdom flow through social media, like, Suddenly, everybody's all about gratitude, and and I and I don't think it's just a, a platitude. Like I think actually people are like, yeah, we need to be grateful for what is happening. And so, I think as as I know you agree with me, Rosie. Like social media is a double-edged sword, and as is mm-hmm. as is everything, as is sex, as is food, as is all substance, is a double-edged sword. And so it, this is where the solitary practice comes in really handy. Like I personally, like I, in order for me to be my best self and serve my community and be as connected to divine as possible, I need to be meditating seated silently for 45 minutes every day. That's what it looks like for me. And that might not be what it can look like for some of you listening, but spending some time Keeping ourselves in silence is the medicine for the time that we live in where there is no silence, where there is an information overwhelm. And at the same time, not polarizing ourselves to such an extent that we aren't a part of this great movement that is called connected, you know. And so I struggle with it and, you know, created boundaries more and less, you know, boundaries around it. But I think that... um, it, it, it's not that we need to give anything up, perhaps. It's that we need to create room for the yin within all the yang of our lives. Right, and, and really I think also... <laughs> you know, not just talk about yeah. it. Right, right. I mean, yeah, because we can sit, we can sit here and be like, okay, well, so we're going to set a boundary and I'm not going to, you know, spend so much time on the internet and I'm not going to spend so much time scrolling and liking and comparing and doing this whole thing. But at the end of the day, it's just something that happened, you know, and, and again, those feelings are very real. And I think that, you know, they, they can be highly discouraging. 
if there's yeah. not another another practice in place, you know, with, with what you're saying. And definitely these things are, are very prana depleting. And if you're not, you know, refilling your cup, then you're going to feel uh, completely broken. You know, it's, it's going it's well, to bog and, you down. And also, Rosie, let me just say this. And I, I, I have a little bit of a following on these media sites. And um, I, I want to tell everybody something. there's a mythology that there's something really cool going on out there and like everybody's really pretty and like drinking (laughs) a lot of juice and and like (laughs) and like having these amazing relationships and like living on the beach in fucking Byron Bay like that's that's not happening like that's not happening like I hang out with these girls you know, and, and a lot of them are really fucking sad and, like, alone. And there's nothing happening on Instagram, like, at all. And, 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 like, the things that really matter that are happening for me are the moments when I am looking into my mother's eyes and I'm seeing her pain and I'm holding her and I'm loving her and nobody sees that. And I'm wearing my sweatpants and we're crying. Like, that's life. And <laughs> You know, I, and right. we can't take a picture of the things that are real. And so no matter no matter how beautiful, thin, successful, rich, suntanned, whatever fill in the blank, like that you're seeing out there that you're not, like it's not happening. It's not actually happening. And, and if it is, like wonderful. But like, I just think it's just, I, I think it's toxic and I think it's poisonous and I think it's, and I think we need to start talking about it because it's so so real, like for people. And and yet, of course, we want to put out our best foot and we want to put out our best image, especially as people who are inspirational leaders. Like absolutely, but let our inspiration be coming from a place of authenticity. And and I think that really does mean like shutting it off and and creating boundaries and making. My my teacher says, you know, Rod, he's like there's this voice that enters your head and and I know it, I know it so well. Like it's so beautiful to get on the social media and check out my friends and like get all my messages and like all that stuff and, and read really cool articles, be inspired. But then there comes this moment and you kind of alluded to it, Rosie, when you're doing that thing called scrolling, which I don't really even do that because this voice comes into my head and the voice is like a tiny, 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 tiny whisper it says this is toxic for you and it, it's like when that when that voice clicks into like shut it shut it off like shut her down and then there's a voice that's like wow this article is amazing i'm learning so much i can't believe how i'm being schooled by the by the collective i mean so it, it's that it's listening to that inner voice and the yogis call that buddhi you know like the highest aspect mm-hmm. of our consciousness you cannot have a relationship with that thing unless just like you would have any relationship you spend time with it and you feed it your attention and you give it your time and so for me that looks like all those things i mentioned meditation singing praying like crying my buns off and talking to god and feeling my feelings like all those things i have to do um definitely on a daily basis in order for me to not be swept into this lie you know that we are kind of speaking of yeah I I wow I mean I agree with that on 
on so many levels. And, you know, I, I think it's definitely something that needs to, to be discussed more. Um, you know, it, it, I like that you said it's just like this mythical thing that's out there because, yes, mm -hmm. it is a double-edged sword. Yes, I, I love to be able to find those things too and to, to be inspired and to connect with, with people all over, you know, and talk about things that, that, are, that matter, you know. But, but again, it's like that little thing that happens right away where it's like, oh, I'm looking to this piece for inspiration. And then all of a sudden it's like something goes awry and then it's like, okay, but then I'm comparing and then I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this. And how come this person's doing this and, and I'm not doing this? And it's like, it becomes very like, it, the experience completely changes, right? It's like that abusive relationship where you're like, oh my God, I love you so much. And oh my God, like you just, you know, you're abusing me, but I'm still going to stay here because I know mm -hmm. that you really love me. You know what I mean? It's like, that's totally, yeah, that's a great, it's totally bizarre. That's such a great metaphor like yes absolutely oh you know and and I I also agree with what you're saying as as far as like talking about our real experiences you know like what is happening my biggest fear Katie is like this I mean I have a a 17 year old little sister who's growing in this age of social media right and just and she's a woman you know and she's growing in, to be this really amazing woman and it's always been my fear that that kids, you know, or that generation of, of young girls is going to grow up thinking or, or meriting their value in the amount of likes that they get or the amount of followers that they get or, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that they're putting the face of this like, I'm, I'm only, you know, putting like these best pictures forth and like, this is how amazing I am because internally, if I'm having a struggle, it's mm -hmm. not okay to share those things. It's not okay to show vulnerability. It's not okay to show, you know, me being sad because my boyfriend just broke up with me, so I'm not going to talk about it. You know, these things that, that, because they don't see it out there. They see all like the flashy, you know, like here's like this amazing picture of me like standing by, you know, this beautiful lake and here's like an inspirational quote and here's this really beautiful picture with this awesome filter on it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, maybe what, what we we can do, um, and and I think everybody listening uh, totally knows what we're talking about. And so maybe what 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 we can do is first first just give ourselves like some healing balm from the ancients, and then maybe in our last moments, you can kind of cue me when that would be, Rosie. Like, let's just take a three minute practice for the antidote. Does that sound like a possibility? That sounds amazing. We will definitely do that because I think that we should definitely find some sort of communal remedy that we can all do <laughs> together to create like something uh, substantial and something more prana filling. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, so, <laughs> like, no, what I'm going to say is I, we don't need to worry because... When my mom was growing up, you know, there was Twiggy, and everybody wanted to be Twiggy, the model. And now everybody yeah. can, like, have a J-Lo booty and a Beyonce booty. And so these, 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 these things that women are subjected to, it's not like it's something new, you know. So I, I don't – I think it is absolutely a problem that this social media life, it's like you have this avatar that's not you. And certainly it's affecting our skills in terms of communication and empathy and all of that. But I, I also want to say that the very thing that seems like our deepest demon is also the thing that brings us to light. 
So I think these women are going to, and they're they're talking about it very young. You know, right. this is, this isn't really me. And so there will be an uprising. There will be a backlash against it, and there will be a movement to what we are seeing now through women like you and myself who are creating platforms where people can feel more loved, more seen, more more able to be in all of their experiences. Like we've never seen anything like this, where women all over the world, especially, are rising up in yoga studios and meditation studios and women's centers and universities all over the country to, to, to really hold space for this. Like, we're, we're basically like a secret tribe of hidden priestesses that are rising again from being absolutely blacklisted from reality. So that, that medicine is on the planet right now, the mama medicine. And it's being embodied in, in many, many, many women and men. So the teachings say that when you are in the Kali Yuga, in other words, when you are in the darkness, that is when you have the most opportunity to behoove yourself into the light. Because if everything's okay, I'm just going to lay out, lay around and eat eat pizza and, and be with my hunky boyfriend that, you know, uh, you know I'm not going to question anything. When things are challenging, mm-hmm. that, that's when we seek. That's when we become real seekers. The, the greatest students are the ones that undergo the most suffering and pain. So I I think we're going to be all right. We just have to arm ourselves with methods. And so before we end, maybe we can just do like a meditation where we just for a minute, like settle into what the Buddha speaks about is, is really like the difference between me and a Buddha is like the width of a hair, it's just a shifting of the perspective, but it takes practice. That's beautiful. Yes, I want to do that. I'm like, I want to just do that the whole time. <laughs> like, let's just sit here and just meditate with our listeners and just experience all of those things. That's, that's great. Um, there's just one more topic that I want to talk about, and it's just sure. because you brought it up. Yeah. Um, you talked about... so. Well, in a sense, you kind of, you touched on it, you know, our, I want to, the human connection, right? And, and maybe our loss of like that physical human connection because of these new platforms of communication. Um, I, I'm curious as, as to how, what's been your experience, you know, in, in, in seeing the difference of how people interact in, in person now, right? Because we get so much communication via, you know, email or social media or the internet. And how, how do you think this affects us as a society by not having the human connection? And I say that because like, I mean, you think back like in the seventies when they would have like these massive rallies or these massive get togethers and community where people bodies would actually get together and, and create community and, and to have a Sangha, you know, like, even even now, um, it, it just seems to me like those those gatherings have have become less and less. And I don't know if it's just my own observation or if it's something that you've maybe seen. How you know we we feel right the sense of connectedness because uh, the platform now to reach a, a huge amount of people is so so vast that it it might give us that illusion that we're actually connecting, but I, I want to know how you feel about the difference between actual physical human connection when you gather with your tribe as opposed to gathering with your tribe virtually and, and 
what, why do you think that is, or what, what's your feel on that? It's the same answer uh, that I give for every question in Ayurveda and Tantra, and I told my students this weekend I want that to make a T-shirt, and it just says it depends. It's the one answer <laughs> to every every inquiry, and so it's and it's also speaking to this kind of premise of Tantra, and that is there is no good and there is no bad. There just is, and there is isness, and there are different qualities of this isness and it's called Rosie and Katie and a tree and water and like sadness and disconnection and connection and all these different states of being and experiencing and so at given times and given places and given moments and given people there are moments for the medicine and then if it's the wrong time place person or you've had too much of the medicine or not enough it becomes poisonous it's just like your question is basically, hey, Katie, is is chocolate or water or wine or sex or meditation even, is that a good thing? Because, you know, I'm seeing a lot of harm coming from it. You can even harm yourself, you know, if you become too, too disembodied and too meditative right. in a way, you know. And so I would say it just, it just depends. Like um, I have a course going and I have an online subscription program where people get classes with me and we communicate online and it's been incredible and people that live out in the middle of West Virginia who may not be able to come and meet me in person suddenly have a platform where they're getting the same teachings as people in San Francisco or wherever I happen to be and 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 then this is happening in all fields and with all you know, teachers and, and maybe experts in different f- philosophies and fields. And so there's this beauty to that. But so I don't want to say that it's all bad, but certainly we are living in the height of the disconnection malaise, and it is rewiring our brain in negative ways, and it is affecting us. So absolutely. And that's why we have to make presence, presence the priority so that when you are with people, you are with them in a way that is incredibly powerful. Like when I go teach and people come up to me at the end of the class with a question, sometimes I can feel overwhelmed because I I answer questions all day long. Like as if I had some sort of magic key, like that someone else maybe doesn't. And, 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 you know, it can be overwhelming and all I want to do is just be the, be the one that's held and loved. And, And so there are moments when I just don't want to even, listen, you know, and that, and that's the very moment when I feel my buddhi, you know, this higher self saying, Mm -hmm. this is the practice to be with this person as, as the Buddha herself looking at you. And in that moment, all sense of separation, of disconnection, of loneliness is 100% dissolved and the recognition that I can be present with this being and you know, maybe we had a lot more time with people in the 1970s that you mentioned, but were we really, really, really present? And I think that right. that that's the question, like, how can I grow my capacity to really be, be so fully with people? Maybe this sense of isolation and um, disconnection is the very medicine being sent to the collective to awaken us to the value of one another and the human element and touch and and kindness and all of these things that really can't be conveyed through the internet, no matter how virtual they get the reality, it's not the same. Right. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and again, beautifully said, I, I think that's, you're right. Um, and again, it, it's going to have to come to the individual and in, in our ability to, to be able to kind of grasp those ideas and, and move forward with them and, and actually propel change for ourselves, right, to get mm-hmm. in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, final, final question. Um, I'm like, final question. I want to keep talking to you forever. So just know that we're probably going to have like five parts to this. Um, Because a lot of, a lot of like, you know, the people that I, that I work with and my students, uh, the reason why I I created this podcast was because people wanted to kind of know, uh, know more about either uh, spirituality or health or, or how to create substantial change in their life. Right. And, and that was something that really inspired me to be able to do this because people, people feel uh, the need for change. Right. I think at, at some level we've all experienced it. So what, what for you, Katie Silcox, goddess extraordinaire, uh, have been, <laughs> have been two named two catalysts for change uh, that have happened in your life that we can, we can take gems from. So easy. Okay. Okay. You could even just say one, but I'll give you two. Um, okay. Yeah. But there really are two. So there's really only two. And that is one, suffering. Suffering. Pain. Suffering. So when the suffering is strong enough, <laughs> you seek out medicine. And I've, I've just been so lucky to not dabble in, you know, I mean, in subtle ways, of course, I still do. But, like, I never really got, I never really dabbled in bad medicine. You know, I never really, I, I you know, in my 20s, maybe drank a little too much. But I, I, I early on saw how bad medicine doesn't work to serve the relieving of suffering. And I had the great fortune of watching very powerful and wealthy, especially men. Um, I, I had the fortune of being able to see the way that powerful government leaders and intellectual leaders and business leaders and political leaders were totally, totally fucked up. And not all of them, obviously. <laughs> but, but, like, I, I just I worked for this firm and early on got to kind of carouse with these types and and, and it was just like, oh, wow, like, I don't want to be a part of the medicine that is being currently used on the planet in the form of women and, and sex and that did not involve love and kindness and drugs and alcohol used in a way that was not as an enhancement of the worship ceremony of life. Like, all of that got handed to me really quickly. And yet I was suffering very, very strongly in my mind and, and my body. And so... I found yoga, and yoga really helped relieve and it acted as a Band-Aid, and still does to some extent. And so I would say pain, and Gary Kraftel says it really beautifully. He says, the students who are the best, like the most dedicated, and the ones that advance the quickest are the ones who are in the most pain and genuinely come with an empty cup. And I've added on the last part. So pain and suffering... And, the, and enough, my God, in my 25-year-old body, enough wisdom to know that the medications that these powerful men were attempting to shove down my throat were not right for me because there was nothing 
wrong with me other than a sensitivity to the plight of humanity, including myself, and that I did not need to be medicated and numbed from my very real emotions. And I think so many women are feeling this, and so many beautiful men are experiencing this, struggling, right? And I don't want to be numbed out. Pain is what led me and inspired me. And then if I were to pick the other, which is just as big and just as real, it would be the flip side of the coin, and that was love and bliss and having this aptitude inside my heart to be able to feel love and bliss and, and really, like, easily. Like, like and, and I didn't see that that's what most people were expressing. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. sometimes if I, I feel like if I actually express my blissful heart, like, in a Trader Joe's in southern Virginia, like, I don't know if they are ready for it, you know? Like, love, <laughs> real, not freaky, manic, oversharing, but just, like, kindness and, like, acknowledgement of the freaking <laughs> miracle that is happening called breathing in and breathing out together right now happening, right? So love, 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 and, and an aptitude for love. And I, and I know you have it too, Rosie, and I'm sure that the people that will listen to this and the students that are attracted to you totally get me because many of us have an aptitude for sensitivity, for light, for kindness, and for love. And at the same time, we're usually the very people that look like the biggest messes because we're struggling. <laughs> you know, and, and not to go on and on about being sensitive, you know, reality, current reality, I think your listeners will take a lot of, um, a lot of comfort in what I'm about to say. Current reality is not designed for sensitive yogi types. It's designed to stimulate the 80% of humanity that is needing stimulation in order to um, invoke for, uh, um, consumption, you see. Like TV, yeah. TV, movies, news, media, shopping, the Internet. All of this is not designed for the 20%. It's proven even now. DNA, 20% of people have a very sensitive constitution and the the past would have said oh your dharma is to be a yogi and to be a teacher and to be a healer and to be a body worker and to be a teacher you know i've said teacher twice teacher mm-hmm. like out there <laughs> like you don't need to be prodded like a dense cattle you need to be nurtured right nourished so all this to say in the words of Richard Freeman, yoga will ruin your life because even when you aren't sensitive, when you begin to do yoga, lo and behold, you activate your sensitivity. You activate your aptitude to feel. And love is a part of that, and so is sadness and pain. And so I, my, my dharma on the planet, I'm really clear about this, Rosie, my dharma is to hold space for people to be able to go into those realms in a way that feels structured and safe and, um, you know, available. So that's, that's what I would answer your question, the long-winded version. Oh, I love it. I love, give me long-winded all day long. I will take it. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, if, if you don't mind now, since closing, you, you offered us a, a little gem. So I'd like to take that now. If, uh, if you don't mind taking us through uh, a meditation and so we can close and have something to take away from uh, our time together. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's do that. Let's dive in. So okay. at home at home, and whoever's listening, just close your eyes and fi- yeah, find your breath. And remember the, the words of the masters, of the enlightened ones, of the sages that tell us that, that it's just, like Rumi says, it's just a matter of turning your face and seeing the beloved everywhere. So as you close your eyes and you find your breath, when you close your eyes to the outside and open it to the inside, you begin to explore the inner landscape and, and what's happening there. And what's happening there might be physical sensations, pain, pleasure. It might be emotion, emotions you like or dislike. It might be thoughts. Or it may even be like an energetic feeling. So whatever is happening, we're going to meet it with silent love. And as you breathe silent love into what is actually happening, your mind will come in and draw you away, and that's what she does, and that's her nature. And so you're not going to worry about that. You're going to come back to your ally, which is the best. And I want you for just a minute, steady and still in your body, I want you to, for one minute, Ride the inhale and exhale like every millimeter mattered. You feel as you breathe and you ride the inhale and exhale happening is you are magnetizing yourself everything that is actually right about this moment you're healthy you're breathing you're loving you're supported and there may be pain and that's a part of it that's also met with love and breath And as you continue to deepen your relaxation and, and feel into breath, what may start to happen is you start to get a little more quiet. And for the last minute, as we breathe together, I want you to explore your relationship to silence. How comfortable are you fully being in the embrace of total silence? a silence that actually roars and holds you. And then when you're ready, you're just going to deepen your breath and 
you'll open your eyes, but a part of you remains connected to that silence that is you and that never changes. And I also want to ask you to notice that maybe you don't feel comfortable being quiet and in silence. And notice that. You know, what's my relationship to silence? Well, it sucks. Or it's tenuous. <laughs> or it comes and goes. Or, well, it's amazing. So I just want you to notice what your experience was. Because really, a part of it may be initially just noticing how you don't even know what silence is. And you need to grow that. So every day for five minutes, let's explore our deep connection to being completely quiet mentally. And, you know, we say silence, but it's not silent. It's very alive. So thank you, Rosie. I really enjoyed this. Oh, Katie. <laughs> thank you so much. You're amazing. I am so grateful for you in so many ways even the most unspoken ways. <laughs> I love you dearly. Thank you so much for, uh, for all of this and for all of these little gems that you've given us to take away and for your insight and your love and your realness and authenticity. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, that is Thank it. Thank you. Thank More you, lady. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Radically Loved Radio. For more information, you can go to radicallyloved.com. You can follow me on all the social media outlets, Instagram at Rosie Acosta, Twitter at Rosie Acosta, Love Radically on Facebook, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that I'm not mentioning, but I'm sure you will find them if you're looking for them. Thanks for listening.